Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're about to listen to Bananas for Bonanza, episode 11. This is Andy Daly. Hello. Here on this free feed, I'll be re-releasing all of the back episodes of Bananas for Bonanza one every other week. If you want to hear new episodes ad-free, please subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash andydaily. The entire Bananas for Bonanza archive is also waiting for you there, and you can access lots and lots of bonus content. So do that. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy. Yeah! Bonanza, it's the finest show alive. So consult your TV guide, get your great outdoors inside. Take some ponderosa pride and forever make it right. I'm bananas for bonanza. Dang, what happened there, Mutt? What'd you do? Well, I figured if we are going to go on for 430 of these episodes, I can't yeah. put a new weapon in each time, so I'm just going to write a listener's name on a bullet and fire, oh. fire it in the air, different one each time. That was Elisa McCoughlin from Bewidgee, Minnesota. How you doing, Elisa? Lisa, that was your bullet. That bullet had your name on it. You're lucky to be alive if you're listening to this now. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Save your ammunition, Mutt, because 400, we got th- 421 episodes, including the one we're about to do now. Uh, folks, yes, hello, friend. Come on in. The gate is open wide. Welcome to Bananas for Bonanza. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> it's good to be back. This is the- about it. 
<laughs> yeah, crazy about it. This is the only podcast on the entire planet Earth where each episode of the classic television western television series Bonanza is discussed in depth. Believe it or not, nobody else is doing it. It's incredible because Bonanza defined what it means to be a man, to be a western man, to be an American, to be an Indian or a Chinese fella. It defined everything you care to think about for every single one of us ever since it premiered. Folks, we are back. That's right. We was gone for a few weeks there, I'm afraid. There uh, appeared to have been a little bit of misunderstanding in which certain people made complete asses out of themselves, and they revealed themselves, uh, I'm sorry to say, to be potential Frankensteins. Uh, and I am uh, closely monitoring that situation. As you may know, in addition to being uh, the poet laureate of the American West and the host of this podcast, I am also under constant monster attack. Uh, I can't seem to go more than a couple of days without that I have to slaughter some kind of a monster or other, and uh, including many times Frankensteins, and I put some folks at Earwolf on notice that they appeared to be showing steins of uh, Frankensteinism, <laughs> and they got this podcast uh, back up and running right quick after that, and that probably means that they are Frankensteins, but they just didn't want to make it so obvious. So, anyways, that's the backstory as to where we've been and what's going on now and why it is that we're back. Uh, so, let, but I don't want to dwell on any of that unpleasantness, and I have been told time and time again to please not discuss my monster slaughtering. And uh, so I just had to get that little bit out of the way, and now we move, move on to the rest of what I'm saying. Okay, we're back. Nothing can get in the way of us discussing every single episode of Bonanza, of which there are sadly only 431. And today we're going to devote this episode to a close examination of of season one, episode 11, The Trucky Strip. <laughs> but I, but I yeah. watched number 13, which was Vendetta. Oh, right. You, yeah, you just mentioned that before we got on the air. Amy Sleverson accidentally watched the wrong episode. Uh, but we'll, we'll make it work. Yeah, right? we'll see what kind of parallels they have and how they can uh, relate. And if I'm using this word right, juxtapose. Maybe they do, in fact, juxtapose on each other's. Well, uh, so, yeah, the Trucky Strip, the, this one... Uh, but listen, I, I mean, I can't even tell you, I, well, I cannot believe the guests that we have to help oh, us out oh doing boy. this today. It's oh, it's, a, it's truly phenomenal. But I believe this is the closest that we could possibly get, genetically speaking, to having an actual member of the original goddamn cast of Bonanza on this show. You couldn't get closer, right? D from a DNA perspective. No. Unless you're at the altar. Unless you're at the altar. <laughs> I don't. I, and I don't even know what that means. But oh, God lives. God oh, lives. Oh, I see. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. God. Well, uh, I, I, I can't even believe it's happening. Before we introduce him, I just want to tell you who you're already listening to. Obviously, you know there's me, Dalton Wilcox, and we also got Mutt Taylors over over here every time. Hello, Mutt. God damn, it's good to be back. I don't like to curse except for when I do, and right now I want to just say, God damn, it's good to be back. Hell yeah! <laughs> and uh, also, she never curses. Christian entrepreneur and uh, biblical slash bonanza scholar, Amy Slaverson. Hello, Amy. Hi. I've upgraded into uh, women's health products oh, that can also be used for men. So they're oh. men's health. The men's health products are a little cheaper, uh -huh. and they're they're all gummies. They're gummies. <laughs> hey, what they're, do you mean? Everything's courage. a gummy. Yeah, it's a it's a nutrition gummy and it gives you courage for vengeance wow <laughs> i'll take some of those sign me up yes yeah revenge uh, gummies i'd like a whole pack of revenge gummies i need to take revenge against a lot of folks and i've got a sweet tooth it's perfect for me 
You do a cleanse, so you just have gummies for 30 days. So these are products. Now, it seems like every time we do one of these, Amy, you've got a new product line inspired by this week's episode. Now, this product line is inspired by the episode we're going to listen to uh, two episodes from now. But from what I understand, that there is a certain romance um, that develops within this that's like Romeo and Juliet. And that's also one of my herbal products. What do you mean? It means that when you, you... don't they poison themselves? But this isn't a poison. This is in no way a poison, though it is not FDA approved. It's yeah. a powder. You put in a drink. But what oh. does it do? Does it make you uh, able to be dead for a while until your families it's leave ni- you alone? <laughs> it's nineteen ninety nine, is what it is. It's nineteen ninety nine. It's you, at your price point. It's I'll a powder, one. and you pour it in your drink. Yeah, that's right. Romeo and Juliet, that, what happened there? The one guy poisoned himself, but just temporary, and the other one says, oh, no, and stabbed himself or herself. I don't remember who did what. And then the other one woke up and said, oh, damn it, and then yeah. stabbed well, look, himself or herself. You might not know this to look at me, but I'm a huge Shakespeare head. And, oh, uh, man. You know, two houses, both alike in name, here in Verona. And yes, that's right. Uh, he fake poisons himself and wakes up and she's already stabbed herself or some shit like that. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, All right. Well, now it's so time hilarious. to introduce our guest. And oh, I, I mean, I'm quaking in my boots. I can't believe it's happening. Oh, Ladies I'm and gentlemen, this feller is literally the goddamn child of Dan Blocker, who played Hoss Cartwright. I can't even believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, please say hello to actor and hilarious man, Dirk Blocker. <laughs> God damn, it's good to be here, boys and girls. Wow. What man, a treat. We got a real yeehaw out of Dirk. I can't believe you're our first guest to give us a proper yeehaw. Well, I, that'll be the last one, I promise. Uh, oh. Well, feel free. You okay. just got to alert uh, Brian, who's a sound oh, engineer. And tell nice. him right. Yeah, it's coming. Off. Sorry. No, he don't. He don't. He don't mind. Dirk, I can't believe this. I have a million and one questions for you. Uh, your father was the great Dan Blocker, who played. Now I have to tell you, it took me a long time to accept that the people on Bonanza was not actually named, you know, Ben Cartwright and Adam Cartwright and Hoss Cartwright, and, and that they was actors playing those roles, and that. I, I don't. I sometimes I still don't believe it. Same but. here. I, I, is your grandfather not Ben Cartwright? I'm a little confused. Right. I, I also am confused. I've I've been confused about that for years now. I'm not okay. quite sure. Uh, he he wore a wig, and I've worn a wig. So there's that similarity. Hang that on. Pretty now. much does it. That's Who a wore? genealogical test. Why do the other sons keep leaving your father behind to fight battles? They're always going off to San Francisco to see ladies, and then it's you and 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 your or it's your dad and and the, and Dad Cartwright. Be, be, because my dad was the baddest ass of them all. Oh, yeah. He really was. I tell you, we talk about that all the time. One thing we say about Hoss Cartwright is that he appears to have unlimited strength, which is amazing. Yeah, he was invincible. Yeah, he carry, was. Do you carry any of that with you? Did that get passed down? Not much. <laughs> okay. To be, honest, to be perfectly honest with you. But so Cartwright, he carries every episode. I'm I'm a bit of a wimp. Actually. No, come on. Nah, you heard my wee-haw. Oh, it was 
man, it was powerful. That was a powerful yeehaw. Thank you. So, so you have a little bit of unlimited strength. Uh, a little tiny bit, yeah. Yeah, but you okay. know, I mean, there was only one Haas. Let's face it. That's for damn sure. Now, yeah, one thing that happens with Haas all the time is that when it's fighting time, and that happens in this episode, it's like, all right, all right, all right, let Haas do the fighting, <laughs> and he just gets in there and he hulks out and he just uh, smash destroy. Yeah. Was that something he would do at home? Uh, not to his, not to us, not okay. to his, my siblings and I, not to the children. All right. But- should uh, an unsuspecting mailman get a little too close to the house or milkman or somebody? Yeah. Uh, we, uh, you know, a lot of legal fees. In those Haas days. smash. Haas he would just, smash. He just, he'd just go into a blind rage. <laughs> That's what seems to happen. He just seems to, yeah. You can't see nothing in his eyes anymore. It's just destruction. Just complete and utter rage. What I like best about the fight he had in, in this episode was how mm. Adam – has a book in one hand and stops Pa from like intervening. Like, yeah, let Haas kick this guy's ass. Come on. Yeah, that's right. Adam, who, by the way, I I might have to watch it again to know for sure, but I don't believe he's in this episode throughout, but I don't believe he opened his mouth the one time. (laughs) I I think you're right. And which lends credence to our theory that this was just a pilot that had been discarded from another show or something. (laughs) Could be. Oh, yeah. They they shelled out the money for James Coburn. So, oh, Jimmy Coburn. Now, don't get me started. I used to I go way back with Jimmy Coburn. Yeah, that's right. This is a good one. Hey, that reminds me. I meant to show a clip. Hang on. I I'm, I screwed up, but I'm going to make it okay. What, I, oh, went, I went full Haas in a cul-de-sac what? the other what? day. What'd you yeah, do? I was going to I was going door-to-door sales and I said, "You guys, you don't have you guys you guys, I know you're in there." And I have my product line and I'm going to stand here until you buy some of my Pillows. You was doing door to door sales. Door to door sales in my own neighborhood, so everybody knows me. Yeah. Do you find that people uh, are less inclined to open the door because of this pandemic? What? No, they know who I am, and they say, "Oh no, lot starters. We already have enough for your candles and stuff." But they don't know that I still, you know, I have more. I always have new stuff, like tragedy charms, and oh yeah, like that oh, would have yeah. been a perfect. Um, trauma charm to put on your bracelet it just sings bad things that happen in your life like addiction and you know like the opioid epidemic is affecting so many families and just get a little pill for that and then you put on you know whatever it is this is one of amy's most wonderful product lines i don't know if you know about this dirk or if you're interested in buying it uh she it's a it's you know how they've got uh, charm bracelets this is a tragedy bracelet and you can buy a little uh tragedy charms or trauma charms from any any bad things ever happened to you uh and uh yeah she's got uh, you can see it right there hold like up a, your wrist there amy oh You've yeah got, like a and how you have like a broken heart yeah. or like a um oh this uh, bridge of san francisco if your husband goes gay <laughs> 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 it's the bridge oh, to san francisco <laughs> hey did that ever happen to you you ever had no a but it oh, happened okay. to a friend of mine yeah yeah is that what and they call i it? said i got the charm for you Hey, that's perfect. And then I gave her a little bottle of Jack Daniels too, because that's for alcoholism. It, but she, she, you know, she, she, she isn't that big a drinker. So oh, she, yeah, yeah. She couldn't really. I mean, it runs in her family a little bit. So <sighs> well, at least you just gave her a small bottle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first step to getting help is putting a, sure. a tragedy bracelet on your arm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Well, so now, all right, Dirk. Now. 
I got so many questions for you. Now, you must have met over time as a child all of the other cast members on Bonanza. I I did indeed. I you, met every single one of them. Yeah. You Which did. one gave the best Christmas presents? Good question. They're all cheap. They didn't give <laughs> any of us anything. You're kidding me. After all those years, that's In a fact, long time. Yeah, it was a long time. I, I, I haven't gotten over it, um, but, you know, maybe one of these days, one of their children will send something. I hope so. That what about nice. cattle? They they own all of the Ponderosa. Why wouldn't they share anything with you? Well, you know, some people just don't get what it is to be generous, you know. Yep. That's what episode you know, is that? Well, this one, in fact, uh, generosity, uh, you know, is to be frowned upon. I mean, you don't want to share anything. If It's all about amassing as much power and money as you possibly can. That's the American way. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's the true. The promised land. We mm-hmm. it's ours. Hey, yep. uh, Dirk, we heard that uh, uh, Lauren Green, he had a house that was modeled after the Ponderosa Ranch. You ever go to that house? Uh, no, I have not. Now, I'd heard the same thing about Michael Landon. Oh, you're so kidding I, me. No, he uh, actually had a replica built up in the hills above Beverly Hills uh, on a five-acre piece of land, <laughs> at, which tells you how much money that sucker was making. When he, I know. When he, I, yeah, yeah I, that's all I want to know, because he did Bonanza, and then he was on Little House on the Prairie for right. all that time. and then. Right. And then he was on that goddamn uh, highway to heaven. Right. And I just think this guy must have been, he must have had an insatiable desire for money. Yeah, just, I think he probably did. Yeah. Couldn't That's stop. A, he, was a, he was a commissionary like me. Oh, oh he, yeah. Nice. Yeah, you bring, you, the more money you bring in the, for the company, the more money you get back out of it. And then you go to the Golden Bridge. Wait, did, you so bring, he, the more people he brought to heaven, the, the more money he'd get? Yes. Is that how Highway to Heaven worked? The more employees he had, the more he could get closer to you get up in the levels of heaven. There are different levels of heaven. And he was probably like, he's in the diamond sky uh, platinum level at very least. Wow. It's like a toll road to heaven more. Yeah. More likely. Yeah. I didn't know any of this about heaven. This is all new. Well, you're going to find out if you're lucky. (laughs) Yeah, I know I'm going to heaven. I made an arrangement. I'm definitely going there with all the monsters I've slaughtered. I've killed. I can't even tell you how many vampires I've slaughtered and sent straight to hell. Uh, You ever have any experiences, Dirk, with vampires or mummies or Frankensteins, anything like that ever come upon you? Well... Yeah, I, I uh, my wife and I are both huge monster movie fans. Oh, brother. so we've probably seen every single monster movie that's ever been made at least once. Uh huh. But um, and and I think that maybe that's protected me against real monsters. Uh, you know, but I'd 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 fight one if I had to. You sure would. I know you would. If you've got any of that Oscar Cartwright blood in you, you'd take it. <laughs> <laughs> Does your wife have a birthday coming up? She does. I mean, almost oh, immediately. Oh, I have my. a great gift idea. Yeah. It's something I made myself. It was just for fun. And then it's just turned into this this, this crazy profit-making thing. I'm a profiteer about it because it's a um, goat tether. It's something I tether myself to a lead-weighted um, stake. 
in the living room or wherever, just so I can't get the refrigerator or other places I feel like I shouldn't be. Or I put it on the front lawn. I can go outdoors to stay away from, you know, just stuff that I shouldn't eat and stuff. It's a goat tether for women. Wow. Well, that's, an, that's just such an interesting and good idea. I would say. Yeah. It's so you don't have to have willpower anymore. It's just like, ah, I'm staked. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know, like the way you'll do, you put a goat on a tether and you hope that the goat is going to eat all the grass. And then once they've done it, you move the tether and they eat some more of the grass. So it can be done that way. It's not just to keep you from doing things. Yeah. It's to get yeah. you to do things that are within your reach. Yeah, wow. no, I should. Some things I should finish. They put me near my, <laughs> my kale chips. I should finish the whole bag and then throwing it out after one taste. But That's you know, terrible. What, yeah, what, 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 a, what, what a coincidence. My, my wife one time met Tammy Faye Baker at an airport. Is Whoa. that right? She saw, and she was walking behind her getting on the plane, and she noticed that Tammy Faye Baker had goat hooves <gasps> instead of feet. You're kidding me. No. Interesting, huh? I'm not at all surprised to hear that because I know that they commune with the devil in certain ways. And, uh, you know, I mean, hell, I mean, come on, open your eyes, people. No, there's the good Christians and then there's the other Christians who aren't good but are faking so hard that you can't tell. And you've really, you've got it. I've got to figure out a new product to figure out which ones are bad and which ones are good. You mean we're surrounded surrounded by people who may not be what they seem? Witches. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm worried about witches. But I can't, I just can't even imagine how difficult it would be to buy shoes if you have goat hooves. Or right? you just buy horseshoes. It'd be, but, but they got to be teeny tiny. And Philly, the hoof is a shoe. A, sh- a hoof is a shoe. A hoof is a shoe. Is that where the, the term being a hoofer came from, I wonder? <gasps> oh. Yeah, I think in the old days, a lot, most of the movie dancers were part goat. Ah, of course. They, of course they, they did were. have. They had As hands, just, human hands, but their hind quarters was a hooved. Has Maybe. your wife ever lost a friend, you know, to argument? She, you could get her a pendant, and it's a, it's a balloon. It's a forgotten birthday balloon. Hmm. Well, I don't think she's ever lost an argument, at least not with me. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I've been there, my friend, and now I'm living in a shipping container. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, We've much had a difficult love life. And speaking of difficult love lives, the characters on this television program, Bonanza, have some of the most difficult love lives you've ever seen in, in your life. Unbelievable bad luck. With their love lives. Wouldn't you say that, Dirk? Yeah, Curse of the Cartwrights. Curse? Is that what they call it? I've never heard that before. Curse of the Cartwrights. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're an actress in those days and you were booked to be on Bonanza, (laughs) you knew that, you know, the end was near. (laughs) You knew you were getting a nice death scene in a bed, (laughs) probably of tuberculosis or something. (laughs) Envelope, please. (laughs) Yeah. Man, that's true. Hey, did you ever spend any time on the set of Bonanza when they were shooting the TV show? I actually did, yes. You I did? Spent, that was, a, you know, in those days, they shot like 11 months out of the year. I mean, it was ridiculous. The schedules were pretty onerous. Wow. Uh, um, so wow. really, one of the only ways to spend time with my dad was to spend time on the set with him. Yeah. Wow. Do you do you have any memories of uh, memorable things you saw shot 
it seems that we, that when we watch them, we can think to ourselves, "Hey, little Dirk was sitting there watching this." Well, played. I, you know, I, I usually tuned out when they'd actually start shooting because it was, you know, you know, the process is dull, at, you know, yes. again and again and again. But what, but one of the things that my dad would do to, when he'd get busy is he'd he'd ask somebody working on the show who had some time to take me around and, you know, take care of me, ba- babysit me basically. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'd end up in a makeup chair usually. And then the wardrobe people would put wardrobe on me. And I, pretty soon I looked like, uh, you know, a small person in, in a Western. Um, and one day Michael Landon was directing an episode and he saw me and he picked, and they were doing a saloon scene mm-hmm. and he picked me up and carried me over to the middle of, in the middle of the room uh-huh. and sat me down. And suddenly I was surrounded by extras and everybody had beers in front of them and dance girls right above us. And, and, uh, it was, that, that was wonderful. I couldn't find myself on the episode though. I oh. tried and tried and tried, but uh, I was just too small. Darn it. So do you think you looked like somebody brought their child to a saloon or did you have like a mustache and or something like that? Oh no, I had like a fake beard and a mustache. Oh, you and, did. You know, oh. And the bullets across my chest and you know, the whole <laughs> The whole nine yards. Wow. So like a little person in that saloon. That's funny. Well, that's too bad. We can't find you in the episode, but maybe uh, they'll digitally enhance it. You know, oh, we can keep like, an eye out for you. Do you happen to know what episode it was when we get I, to it? I, I have it the foggiest. I think it might have been Wayne Newton might have been there because I remember th- thinking, why does this man sound like he sounds when he sings? But um, but he was he seemed a very nice guy. He seemed like a really nice guy. And I think he was in that episode, but I'm not Whoa. I'm not 100 percent sure. But, you know, you said keep an eye out for him. That's another thing I noticed about this particular episode, this trucky yeah. uh, episode. The character uh, Willard Trump has one eye. And, yes, he did. And Pa, literally, as he's walking him to the door to go run an errand, he said, we keep an eye out for us. Oh, don't yeah. say that to a one-eyed man. Oh, he was slamming him. He knew right. what he was doing. I mean, what the he hell? He got him. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That's oh. the walk away. Don't even know you're insulted until about five days later and you seethe with rage. That's right. That's right. He probably keeps that missing eye in his pocket, too. He's like, well, what, does he mean I should give him a, my, my eye? Keep my eye on him? <laughs> Slip it into his pocket? Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you if I ever lost an eye, I'd 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 carry it around with me. Just for pranks, put it in somebody's drink, stuff like that. <laughs> just to have yeah. a laugh. Yeah. It's nice to have a laugh. Here's looking at you, pal. <laughs> yeah. That's that's fun. Man, oh man, I can't believe we're talking to somebody who was on the set of Bonanza. Now wait a minute, were you on the set way up uh by the Lake Tahoe or or sometimes they was indoors on what appears to be a stage. In <laughs> fact, sometimes they'd shoot scenes where one of the people in the seat is outside and one of them is inside. <laughs> yeah, it was it, you could pretty much tell, couldn't you, when they went to a sound stage. It was pretty pretty I'd evident. say so. Yeah. Um Unless you had one eye and, and it was a bad eye. Um, but um, yeah, we, uh, they, uh, they would shoot um, in Lake Tahoe about two weeks out of each year. And that became like a vacation for all the families. Oh, yeah. Um, and they would just mostly, they would shoot an episode while they're there. But primarily they would set a second unit, a, you know, a small group of uh, crew members out with various cast members and shoot them just riding across a valley or up a hill or on a snowy peak or whatever that they could then insert later into episodes uh, during the year, during the course of the year. Wow. They split the talent below the line and above the line and have you fight over who deserves to stay in the, on the location. Well, you know who won that fight. 
Oh, yeah. Daddy <laughs> Come on. Hoss. Daddy uh, Hoss. Hoss. <laughs> yeah. Hoss so I don't, know how the, I don't know how the other half lived. I'm sorry. No, who knows? <laughs> who cares? Uh, <laughs> man, oh, man. Hey, I got one more question for you before we take uh, probably a break, and then after that we'll get into a blow-by-blow of this incredible episode of Bonanza, the tricky strip. You didn't watch it. Yeah, which Amy didn't watch. <laughs> oh, I watched one thirteen. <laughs> Oops, a daisy. Well, uh, uh, Dirk, did you ever get to ride Chub, which is the name of Hoss's horse? Hoss's you know, horse named Chub. I I might have. I don't remember. I did ride. They did let us ride horses once in a while when we were there. Yeah. Um, but you know, Chub was reinforced for my dad. You know, what do you mean by that? Well, what? I just come on. I mean, he, you know, he uh, he would hurt other horses because of his size. <laughs> How did they do so, that? Like a metal brace? Yeah, they implanted titanium rods in his legs. No, oh I'm kidding. Oh, he, uh, no, no, no. He, he, they just found the largest horse that they could find that uh, had no feeling be- below the <laughs> knees, and uh, and and then let him go. <laughs> yeah, Chub is a large horse. Chub Chub was a chubber. Yeah, he sure was. Uh, yeah, okay. So you, it sounds like you rode some horses, but you're not sure whether you got on Chub. I I can't say for sure. No, I don't. I don't remember. Man, I'm gonna oh, man. tell my husband about that. That he could just reinforce my legs. So I'll just keep going. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes when I get tired, he gets mad and he says, "Keep up with me." I say, "Well, maybe if you reinforce my legs." <laughs> Anything, anything to keep that marriage alive, I, you know, whatever it takes, because you guys have something special. All right. Oh, I got another charm. It's, yep. a, um, it's a gas station rose. It's for domestic violence. I've never heard of a gas station rose. What is that? It's a rose, but then it's wrapped in a little bit of plastic, but you can see all the details on the charm. <laughs> you say they sell, talking about. I didn't know didn't? that's what they was called. They it's sell a gas roses? station rose. Uh, Okay, I, it's I'm, what you pick up when you're on your way back from uh, 24 hours in the in the pokey for for maybe or maybe not intimidating your wife and family. <laughs> you want to make something up to somebody, and, and you and you got to get gas. You pick them up a gas station rose, and then if you're you know a survivor of that situation, mm-hmm. you know, get a charm. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. That's a beautiful story. All right, folks. Well, uh, we are going to take a little break here. And uh, and then when we come back, man, oh, man, we're going to dig right into uh, a season one, episode 11, the Truckee Strip, with the help of our dear friend now, Dirk Blocker. Holy shit. All right. Oh, don't go anywhere. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Bananas for Bonanza. It's me and Mutt Taylor and Amy Slaverson and Dirk Blocker, our guests for this episode. Oh, my God. Hey, you're on that Brooklyn Nine-Nine, right? Yes, sir, I am. I have you're been a- for the last seven years, yes. Seven years. Wow. Unbelievable. Unreal. You're, a, you're a lawman on that show, aren't you? I'm a lawman, indeed. But a city slicker, too. A city slicker and, and uh, you know, a, a, a probably someone who should have retired some time ago. Yeah, you and the other Scully guy, you're just kind of like, what are you, a couple of you uh, past their primes? Yeah, yeah, we're just we're just trying to survive until our pension kicks in is basically how it works. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. So you've done seven seasons on there, and uh, what do they do, about 25 a season? God only knows how many that is, but it it's going to take you a while to get up to 431, God, isn't it? Unbelievable, I know, yeah. And those were one-hour episodes that, you know, took – days and days i mean they shot it like a movie they shot them yeah it's unbelievable these days you can make an hour of television and it's only really 44 minutes back in those days it was it was pushing 50 yeah right as we as we damn well know all right well folks this is a fantastic episode so once again a member of the cartwright clan falls victim to love at first sight uh blood is shed over land ownership and there are two absolutely outstanding bare-fisted brawls in this episode we're gonna watch them both and there's a fine performance by james coburn boy who would go on to appear in such classic films as The Magnificent Seven, The Great Escape, and Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. That's where I know him from. You know, I was originally in Magnificent Seven when it was called The Mason Eight, but I didn't get along with Robert Vaughn. He was a real prick and a dandy, and so I walked, and they just said, well, fuck it. We'll call it The Magnificent Seven. Let's shoot the movie. Oh, man. I didn't know that, because Amazing Eight sounds better to me. It's just got a better ring to it. Mason Eight, with a little apostrophe. Oh, I see. Yeah. Even better. Take yeah. out that A. And Who no G it? at the end. So it's actually an apostrophe at the beginning and the end. And it just looks like the quote Mason 8. And it, it was hard to market. I think they fired me for that reason. Oh, that's why? Yeah. It, sa- it sounded like before you said you walked off the set. Now it sounds like maybe they fired you. Uh, well, can it be both? Sure. Yeah. Fine with me. I God, I love Jimmy Coburn, though. That man, he can do no wrong for me. And when he showed up in this episode, you got the Cartwrights and Jimmy Coburn. It's too much. It's too much. He plays Pete Jessup, and he's a son of a bitch. Oh, he's a bad one. Amy, I'm sad for you. You missed this episode. Oh, I am so sad, but that doesn't mean I don't have more merch. I mean, (laughs) uh, pistols are now available on my website, lotsdaughters.com. They're fully operational ladies' pistols that that say family together. (laughs) Family together. I love it. Laser pistols. Like little derringers that might go like in a garter under your bustle yes, or something. Yes, yes. Wow. And they come in white, 
pink and then off t- like a taupe. Would oh. it be too untoward if I were to buy a set of those? Oh, that's fine. No, that's fine. Because I'm, I'm and I can't. What are you I can't do give with you a mo- deal. My best friends pay the most. I can't give you a deal. You love me. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag girl balls. That's how it gets done. Yeah. Now I know those garters no normally go around the thigh of a lady, but uh, I've been working out since I've been on my own in the shipping container, and so I got my arms pretty big. And I'm figuring if I were to put one of those garter guns around my arms, it might fit, and then I could do a little fast draw just by giving myself a little hug, grab the derringers. <laughs> and shoot that's an excellent idea and it's such well, it makes me think of a ruffled top as well how oh, it could yeah. really work that way i ruffled i do that we'll talk later we can do a whole consultation of course hey, this is all making me uncomfortable to think of you with ladies garters on your arms and little derringers tucked into your <laughs> to your newly bulging biceps and a frilly shirt but yeah. I, it just makes me uncomfortable. There's been a lot of trouble in my life lately. I should mention to you in full disclosure, this episode's yeah. called the Truckee Strip, and my shipping container is parked outside of the Truckee Strip, which is a strip joint here oh. in, in northern Nevada. And uh, oh, wow. there's been a lot of goings on. See, the reason I, I don't have my truck anymore is I lost in a game of curb dice, and so I got some fellas after me. But we don't have to talk about that. Let's just move on. Wow, that's a yeah. big bet for curb dice. That tends to be more nickel and dammy. Well, they're huge dice. Up. Oh, I see. <laughs> that makes sense. Pretty big curb or what? Yeah, and it was like them dice and prices, right? With it, and we played it against a dam. Okay, now I get it. Yeah. All right. Well, this episode features a actress by the name of Adrienne Hayes, and she's uh, had a lot of one-time appearances and a lot of TV shows. Only show that ever had her back more than once was uh, some soap opera, Guiding Light, or something like that. Everybody else got one taste and said that'll do. And then we've got uh, the fellow by the name of Charles Horvath. And uh, Charles Horvath plays uh, Willard Trump, and he was also in The Wackiest Ship in the Army, which Jack Warden was the star of. we got to get our hands on that show because it seems like Bonanza was like the, the feeder show to The Wackiest Ship in the Army. <laughs> uh, so i got to see that. Well, this episode begins where some guys is cutting down a tree. And then Willard Trump, who's got an eye patch on, and he is a rancher who works for the Cartwrights. He rides up, and he sees him cutting down this tree, and it seems to be a problem. How right? many we episodes get- now have begun with a tree being cut down? We're I- into about three-fifths of them? <laughs> I'd say. I'd yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. With none of the cast of characters in the first scene. No. That's right. They often don't start that. It starts with a real beautiful establishing shot of the of the Lake Tahoe, I suppose, and then you cut back into the stage, and he's cutting down a fake tree. This I must be that one. B-roll you was talking about, Dirk, where they go out and shoot with actors and such. Yeah, and, and uh, they felled a lot of trees on the B-roll, I suspect. Yeah, that's right. You get the wide shot of the whole big tree coming down. It's beautiful. Uh and then, uh, well, and then, and then you see James Coburn, and he said, and then there's a banker, a fancy banker. They're all out there in the woods. The banker wanted to oversee the cutting down of this tree, I suppose. And you get the feeling they got some evil plan going on, and it involves riling up the Cartwrights. Bad idea, boys. Terrible idea. By the Don't- way, B-roll is what my husband calls our sex life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, that's not bad. It could be, you know, you got C, D, and F. So you're, sounds like you're doing fine, above average. Well, uh, okay. You get those leg supports, you know, then you're going to be right up there, you know, being an A before you know it. 
And I'm getting into Christian sexual aids because oh. places like Truckee Strip, no offense to that small business, mm. you need to, we need to have products that are available from Christian sources mm. for, for pleasure. Yeah, I agree. I've always been searching for Christian porn, and I find it's few and far between. I'd like it yeah. to be just as, you know, dark and dirty, but sanctioned by God and with a man and a woman who are married. But then they can still get as freaky as they want. Yeah. If you just heard the sounds is what I'm thinking, like a podcast, and then you just heard the sound of what was happening. But people who weren't, weren't ver- vocal. Mm. So you just heard. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, that's from our home. (laughs) You can't see it here, but Amy was just having a bowl of soup. (laughs) And it did say, if you close your eyes, it sounds just like sex. Tell you something about it. It got me going too. When we're done here, I'm going to find the wife. I'll tell you that much. Oh, brother. I'm going straight to the Chucky Strip. Yeah, I think I'll head on out to the whorehouse. Now, <laughs> that's funny with all these podcasts out there. There's no uh, pornographic podcast, is there? Oh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> you think there is? I think there probably is. Okay, well, as soon as we're done, I'm going to look it up on Google. Okay, so now what? All right, yeah, the Cartwrights come along. Sport, Buck, Cochise, and Chubb uh, with, above them, their corresponding humans, which is... Adam, uh, Ben, uh, Little Joe, and Hoss. And they they come out, and uh, and then we have a real weird... They chase off the guys who's cutting down that tree. And Little Joe takes off in one particular direction. And I believe he rides on to the concho, though we don't quite learn it yet late until later. And he comes upon a young woman who is hiding in the bushes with her dress off. And... Yeah, but don't worry, because under her dress, she has a full dress. <laughs> but but uh, there's no telling if she's not got a dress on under that a Russian nesting dresses. Could very well be. <laughs> That's there, a great idea. There's no explanation at this point as to what this woman is doing in the wilderness with her dress off. It's just a, a total mystery. Later, we learn that what she likes to do is go out there and splash her feet in a little creek. Yeah, the only thing we've learned and been told is that she does this every day. She does this every day, but it still doesn't explain why she had to take her dress off. She no. takes off her dress so she can splash her little feet in that creek is apparently what what, what she does to get her jollies off that Amy, what's her name? Amy Bishop. But little Joe comes upon her and he is immediately struck, his love struck. And they have a scene where every time he speaks behind him is an actual tree in the sky and the wind is blowing through his hair because that scene was shot outside. And every time they cut to her, she is on a phony baloney set with a fake spring between her. I, I, it's unbelievable. Just cut back and forth between outside and inside. She was probably pulling on her goat tether at that point. <laughs> she may well have been. Yeah, and I have to believe that they shot this together. So it's crazy to think that they had built an outdoor set that they were just shooting half outdoor and half indoor with an open wall. That's crazy. Oh, I, come on. You know, it costs a little bit of money to send an actor to Lake Tahoe. Okay, see, now we get the inside scoop. Inside scoop, that's right. They're not going to send Adrienne Hayes all the way up to Lake Tahoe 
Hell no. They'll shoot her part down on the what what stage was it here where they do it in uh, Hollywood? You remember? Uh, it was at Paramount Studios, and I know that they did stay on the one stage there for the longest time, but I don't remember now what the I might have been number nine, but I'm not sure. Number nine, stage nine at Paramount. So they they got her out of Paramount, and she probably had a street park. And then uh, she's in there doing her scene. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of street parking over there. But, well, back they in those days. They give you a walk yeah. on. You, they give you a walk on. It's okay. Oh, yeah, they give you a walk on. Yeah, absolutely. Just bring your ID. But she didn't get in the parking yeah, structure. I, mean, I guarantee you. Shoot it. your scene, walk out onto Melrose, or walk down to that store that only sells fireplace mantles that you always drive by. Yeah, it's a nice. Yeah, afternoon. and if it's a half hour walk away lunch, you could do a lot worse than Lucy's Adobe. <laughs> Not that I've ever been anywhere near Hollywood. <laughs> me either. Me either. Nope. But uh, then what happens? Okay, so he falls in love. Well, but I was going to say, I think it's uh, it, it was an intentional stylistic choice that the two of them are in such different worlds. You know what I mean? He's outside. Yeah. She's inside. They're in totally <laughs> different dimensions. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're from different worlds because this is our Romeo and Juliet story. She's two a bishop. Tribes. Yeah. He's yeah. a cartwright. Two houses, except only one house. The other's outside. Yeah, Both exactly. alike in name. Alike in name. Yeah. So then we find out, what do we find out? That a fellow by the name of Luther Bishop owns the Concho, that's a piece of land. And there's, the fellows who was cutting down the tree was Bishop's men. And there, that's the Truckee Strip. And the Truckee Strip sits between the Concho and the Ponderosa. And Palestine. There was, just like Palestine. Right? Yeah, the 58th parallel. The demilitarized zone. I was thinking that too, Amy, because you talked about how the Ponderosa is Israel or something. I, I don't always fully listen to when you talk about that, but you've said something like that. It's before. okay. It's okay. <laughs> That's all right. It's just the emotional truth that you need to get out of what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> just listen to the emotions behind the words. That's what my husband says. Yeah. Hey, Dirk, can you can you confirm this uh, Amy's theory that uh, uh, Michael Landon is Jesus, and that uh, this show is uh, it takes place. In in the Holy Land, uh, any insights you have on that at all would be helpful. <laughs> well, um, I I don't I can't say for sure, but I do know that he was deathly afraid of having his hair cut. Is that right? Yeah, oh, I so don't know, he's like a Samson. Yeah. yeah, precisely like a Samson. Yes, exactly that. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. so I don't know how much Jesus and Samson hung out. But, oh, a lot. Um, oh, a lot. Oh, there you go. Okay, well, in that case, yeah. yes. But I, I confirm it. Okay, thank you. Oh, That's big. That is exactly what I was looking for, was confirmation of my own prejudices. <laughs> <laughs> there oh, you go. There you go. And thank even you if, so much. <laughs> that's exciting, right? So there you go. Everything's it you're right about everything. It always feels so good. So if, if it's, he has short hair through pretty much all of Bonanza, and it's like that's his first show and he doesn't have a lot of pull, but by the time he gets to Little House on the Prairie, he says, you want me to do this show, I ain't cut my hair. You want me to go on the highway to heaven, I ain't cut my hair, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody except he on the show wore hair pieces because everybody was bald-headed. Um, what are you talking about? Except, but so Michael wore a short hair piece. I mean, he tucked all of that hair into 
underneath a scalp holder. I call it the scalp holder. <laughs> so Michael Landon, when he was on Bonanza, had the same kind of long, luxurious hair we're used to from the prairie days. But he oh. would tuck it up underneath like an Elvis Presley uh, up uh, uh, ducktail updo. <laughs> Precisely. He had a very small head. So he was oh, able to whoa. get that all underneath that skull cap, basically. This is some real inside information. Now, wait a minute. Are you trying to tell us that Lauren Green and uh, Mr. Purnell there, that they these fellows, when you saw them off set, they was bald-headed? Well, I think if you just kind of looked closely in the episodes, you might be able to tell. <laughs> Look like a piece of lettuce on their head, basically. <laughs> You're kidding me. What about I thought Hall? they just had lettuce hair. <laughs> What about your your own father? Did he? Uh, was he? Oh God, yeah. He, they he would just but and see, he didn't like hair pieces, so they just paint they paint his head dark. <laughs> <laughs> this is outstanding information. I'm going to uh, I'm well, I'm just going to stare at their hair from now on. I never even <laughs> thought about it. Never thought about it once in my life. Well, it's given me great insight. Now I, I can spot a hair piece up a mile away. Oh, me too. I got perfect wig dar. But then what about Hop Singh? Is that a real hat or is it a hat piece? Hey, good question. You know, I never saw him without the hat, so I'm not sure. All right, fair enough. Yeah, now he's got that, that I long think hair. of it, then that makes Michael Lynn even more Jesus-like because mm-hmm. it's like these his everyone who surrounds him is wearing sort of a, a holy covering of their right. head, sort of a hijab. Yeah, hijab. I like that. I like a hijab. Now, uh, okay, so it's the Truckee Strip is between the Ponderosa and the Concho, and these two parties have been warring over it for a long time. Turns out Willard Trump got shot in the eye by Luther Bishop a long time ago during these wars. And not only that, but Pete Jessup, that's James Coburn, his brother was killed during one of these Truckee Strip wars. And But a, a court order settled it. Court order says that land belongs to the Cartwrights. Well, you'd think it settles it, but Luther Bishop says, that's my land, court order or not. So he he's not he he don't accept it. So this is like a tinderbox, and now Pete Jessup is out there throwing matches at it or whatever. He's trying to he's trying to get a war going again over the Truckee Strip, and because it has to do something with a fancy banker named uh, is that Jason Carter? I guess this is there's always some element of the plot where I just say uh, you lost me, and this time it's <laughs> it's the it's whatever the banker the banker wants to sell the timber on the Truckee Strip and somehow believes that the, somehow that if there's a war, a reinvigorated war between the parties, it'll help him get that wood. Well, yeah, he wants to buy the timber from Bishop, but he's forcing Bishop to sell because he won't give Bishop a loan. Yeah. <gasps> but is his, is his scheme like there's going to be a war here and Bishop's going to say it's not worth the trouble I'll sell I'll sell the land. Well, there's also a part where I tune out too, and that was it. So I don't. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, so little Joe and uh, Amy Bishop is getting closer together, and he says, "We don't have to inherit the hates of our families." And that's when I says, "God damn it, this is Romeo and Juliet." Yeah, Th- that's the moment where it came together for me. Yep. Hey, uh, Dirk, you ever meet any of the writers for Bonanza? Um. <sighs> There was one fellow named Richard Collins, who I think was the like uh, script soup, not the script supervisor. He was uh, he was story a editor. He was story editor. Yeah, I think I believe that was his title, and I'm not mm. sure what years, but yeah, he I met him. But no, otherwise, I don't think I knew any of the writers. No, 
I'd love to know what they was, was just, doing over there. I was a child, at the, you know, but during these days. Yes, I know. I know. But they, so they never said uh, he would be entertained in the writer's room. Yeah, Send him yeah. over there. Yeah. <laughs> Invitations to the writer's room is hard enough to come by when you're an adult. So <laughs> Writer's That's room true. slash daycare center. That's how it usually works. <laughs> Give him to Collins. Collins will take him down to the bar. <laughs> I like that the... the, the the writers stole the storyline from Shakespeare because that's what sometimes I just borrow someone's business plan entirely, you know, just oh, say, yeah. oh, I'm just going to because that's what I did. I says, Mary and Martha was the most popular Christian women's most marketing company. Are you all right? And take a breath. Take love, she's mel- okay. mel- you need to take some mel- gummies. Mel- my, my take mom. some gummies and powder. I, I only do chewables. Okay. Chewables are also all right. Well, drink your powerful. soup. I'm worried about you. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, you're not alone, though, because Shakespeare stole from the best. He himself was a thief. He stole from, uh, you know, Pyramus and Thisbe is is Romeo and Juliet. And hell, I, I know, again, you, it doesn't look like I'm a huge Shakespeare head, but all of his plays were stolen, with the exception of his biographical later play, The Tempest, and uh, The Merry Wives of Windsor, so commissioned by Queen Elizabeth herself. <laughs> and that one stinks. <laughs> yeah, I agree, man. <laughs> That's a stinker. Yeah. yeah, okay, so Shakespeare's a thief, and so he wouldn't mind old uh, story editor Collins stealing this story from him. Let's just he, say he wouldn't get along with the Cartwrights. He's not on the up and up. I'm sure you're right about that. Yeah. Yep, Cartwrights is honest. Well, uh, so, okay. Oh, and then uh, Pete Jessup, uh, James Coburn, uh, steals three horses. Something going on there. He steals three horses. And then they ride up and they shoot a guy. There's two guys camping out in the woods and Jessup and his buddies who are all riding a uh, uh, Cartwright Ranch horses, Ponderosa horses, come up on these two guys who are camping out and they just shoot one of them. And the other one is not terribly perturbed by the fact that his <laughs> his friend got shot. He takes it very much in stride. He just kind of says, hey, why'd you cut him down? Just, it's curious, you know, <laughs> pass the time, make some conversation. Yeah, but, he's uh, the big Lebowski of the old West. Whatever. Yeah, he takes it. He takes it. I guess that comes bury to all of us. Yeah. I, I have that so. on a dish towel. I have that on a dish towel. <laughs> Death comes to all of us. Oh, oh man, that's a. Oh, that sounds good. I'd like to have one of those because sometimes I do forget. I'll forget for a few hours at a time that death's coming. But anyways, uh, what you got? And so, uh, so, oh yeah, they're in disguise. And the whole point is, I guess, is Pete Jessup and his buddies are trying to make it seem as though the Cartwrights committed a wanton murder on Luther Bishop's land on the Concho. It's all about whipping up this goddamn war over the Truckee Strip, right? Am I missing yeah. anything so far? No, Divide and conquer. That's right. That's what they're after. Conquer. Right. Yeah. They're wearing bandanas so you can't see their faces and it's plausible deniability. Oh, I'm a Cartwright, but they wasn't. Yeah. And then you got, uh, uh, well, Willard Trump sees a tree being cut down. He tells Paul what's going on. And then we cut to a little scene by the brook where Amy is reading some Shakespeare. And Joe, I believe this is what happens. I'm out of zoned out. Joe says, like, put that book away. That Shakespeare doesn't know what he's talking about. And then he speaks in colloquial terms the mistress eyes nothing like the sun shakespeare sonnet basically puts it in his own words isn't that about right yeah i mean is he knocking shakespeare because he can do better he kind of says this sonnet is stupid it what how it really is and then he paraphrases the sonnet 
Well, if you, as you said, if if they believed Shakespeare was a thief, you know, then Little Joe would be would have to be opposed to anything that he had ever written. Oh yeah, that's right. 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 Little Joe would never steal anything. No, just that little girl's heart. That's yeah. I was thinking the same thing. That's right. Which she gave up freely. Yeah, I believe she did. She fell in love. And she, by the way, is another one of these uh, women characters we've seen on this show who's just as simple as a child. I don't know how. I don't know how. That's old, how I am. That's I how I am. I don't do any of this politics stuff or anything. No, you know? no. I just like go, oh, I don't want to hear any of it. And just give me my crafts and yeah. my small business. And that's all I want to think about. All she wants to do is get her dress off and get her feet wet and read her books. She loves to read books. And that that's it. And then she doesn't seem to understand anything outside of that. Yeah, she wants to get her dress off so her other dress can get a suntan. <laughs> that's right. And it looks great. I we'll, used to uh, do that. I used to triple dress. Really? Triple yeah. dress. So that's how deep it goes? Yeah, you triple dress. Triple Whoa. dress. Not it's, a bad idea. It's really it's so good because you have the one dress, you know, so just kind of like what you're showing the outside world. And then you have your personal dress where it's like, Oh, I'm just being myself. And then you have your strategy dress where she's like, no, I am not interested. <laughs> What's that dress? made of that strategy one? Is that like Kevlar? It's a washable plastic <laughs> with a felted interior, like a tablecloth. Oh, right. Is it all gingham and check like a tablecloth too? Whatever you want. God, I want, I want. I just never gotten past dress two, so I don't know, and I'm wondering what's to come. It's like getting to a level of a video game. But there's a reason you haven't got past dress two. I know. (laughs) She's gay. I'm just kidding. She's Yes, nobody is. She could be. Her name's nobody Clark. is. Nobody yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that, <laughs> man. Well, I'll tell you, three dresses wouldn't hurt the women of the of Bonanza. It might help them survive a bullet yeah. or a, the, what takes this woman out is bizarre. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's real weird. <laughs> All right, so now we have a thing where the Cartwrights ride up on the encampment of guys who's cutting down the trees to sell to Jason Carter, and there's a Chinese fellow there, and he's got a knife. And uh, I don't know why they showed this Chinese guy with a knife. I don't know why. But he ducks into a tent with a very scary-looking knife. And then uh, I think Willard- when they were writing that scene is when uh, Dirk was brought over to the writer's room for daycare and they just missed a beat of it because they was watching Dirk and said, we'll get to that later. I got Dirk put that knife down. <laughs> yeah, it, it gives you a momentary misdirect that maybe Willard Trump has been killed instead. But it's for for what purpose? I don't know. But basically what happens is Willard Trump, for some reason, goes in there and strangles to death. This young Chinese fella, he just strangles them straight up, strangles them to death. And now I'm going to show you the first clip because, you know, we're recording this and there's an election going on and everybody's talking about, you know, another Trump, this Donald Trump. Right. But I'm about to show you a moment that if they put it in an ad, a political ad, it would just settle this whole thing once and for all. Ready? Watch this. Here we go. This is this is Ben Cartwright responding. Hang on. I got to share my damn screen. Ben Cartwright responding to 
uh, Willard Trump having killed this Chinese boy. Here's what he says. Trump is he's like an animal. See that? Oh, that you is put, the biggest anti-endorsement you could have in a political ad. Right? It'd be all done. You got Ben Ben Cartwright literally saying you're like an animal. You're finished. Wow. Somebody out there take that footage and make an anti-Trump. I mean, I don't go into politics either. No, I don't care. I, you know, I always write in Ben Cartwright, as you know, on my ballot every year. You know, I write doesn't matter in to Chubb. me. You write in Chubb? Yeah. He'd be a good president. Better than any of these city slickers we usually get. Yeah. I did. Ben Cartwright. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, sorry. No. No, not at all. No, please. I, I take a couple of horse pills like actual horse pills every election how long does that knock you out for how you know it's just a lot not long enough to wake up and go what happened <laughs> yeah that's, that's like a, a jawbreaker approach. right like you got to work on those oh yeah oh. sorry yep. what were you gonna oh. say there dirt oh i just thought you know uh ben cartwright could uh, lauren green could have could offer trump president trump his hairpiece, and then he, <laughs> then he could be he could do away with all this nonsense. People always making fun of his pathetic hair. Yeah, yeah. that hair is. Uh, uh, I have always felt personally insulted by it. Uh, yeah. It's a personal insult to me. I've well, seen all right, better hair on thatched roofs before. <laughs> I agree. Well, now I'm going to show the rest of this scene. I'm just going to let it roll because right after this is when there is the first of uh, the two epic brawls I want to show, and this is really the one. Because this is it. This is one where Haas goes full Haas, and it is a thing of beauty. Here we go. Let's let's roll on from here. Now, starts with Ben Cartwright. Oh, he hands his gun off because it's time for a bare-fisted brawl with Trump. And it looks like Ben Cartwright's going to get strangled to death in there. But here comes Haas. Or a light beer commercial. Little Joe rides up, but that's not important. To none of this is important. Oh, there goes Cochise. Now here's Haas beating the hell out of Willard Trump. Oh, man. An axe. Yep. Now the bad guy seems to always pick up some kind of a weapon. That'll do it. Dang. God, that is like watching Michelangelo paint the Sistine Chapel. Yes, it is. Uh, that's a real good one, particularly that part where Hoss sort of grabs him by the legs and flips him over his back. I yeah. think James Coburn might have showed that to him. Are you serious? Well, it looked like something right out of in like Flint to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Or in one of his last movies, Hudson Hawk, where he was riddled with arthritis. Oh, that sounds good. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see people <laughs> in their worst state. Hey, uh, uh, Dirk, do you know, do, I mean, was uh, uh, was your father a professional wrestler before going into acting, as as so often happens these days? Uh, no, he, he wasn't a professional wrestler. Um, however, he, he was, uh, he boxed in college and. Oh, uh, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He was the golden gloves champion of Texas. As a matter of fact, heavyweight oh. champion undefeated. 
He was also a war hero, right? Didn't he get the Purple Heart? Uh, Yeah, but, you know, he didn't. That wasn't much. I mean, he didn't really talk about that a whole lot. He wasn't a big deal to him. Wow. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. But, you know, when, when, when Trump was uh, was wielding the axe. I thought yeah. it was very inter- interesting that one of the Pa's, Ben's sons, would prevent Pa from coming to his rescue. I mean, the guy had a fucking axe. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of conflict between the Cartwrights. In fact, coming up is a scene that I thought I'd never see till the day I died. I know, you know what, what I'm you talking mean. About? I know what you mean, but I, I want to take a moment to agree there that that was an odd moment. So a fellow picks up an axe and he's <laughs> swinging it at your son. And so you pull your gun and you say, well, I'm putting an end to this. And then one of your other sons goes, no, no, no. <laughs> Let's not be hasty. I'll bet you, I'll bet you Hoss can handle this axe. That's crazy. And if not, there'll be more for me to inherit. Yeah, that's what he's thinking. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Goddamn. Adam. Well, uh, yeah, so that that was a beautiful fight there. I think that was one of the best what we've seen yet in 11 episodes. Uh, And, yeah, that's right. Now, little Joe comes up. And I don't remember what exactly all gets into it here, but oh, it's oh, little Joe says he's going to bring this murdered Chinese boy back to his father over at the conch over at Luther Bishop's ranch house. And for some reason, uh, all the other Cartwrights are dead set against it. They said, you can't do that. I guess they think that little Joe's going to get shot as soon as he shows his face over there, even though he's doing a nice thing of bringing this dead body over there. And and it t- gets to be a real fight to the point that little Joe pulls a gun on his own father. I just about died. I didn't know what way was up. Me neither. I couldn't believe it. I well, you knew uh, therapy had to come after that, which uh, kind of happens in this. They do delve into therapy a little bit, you know, talk talk therapy. They do. It's the really- last chapter of the Bible when Jesus gets armed. <laughs> pulls a gun on God? Yeah, he doesn't turn the other cheek at all. He turns around with a can of whoop ass. What, what kind of guns is Jesus packing? Yeah. Just, well, he's got his two arms, of course. And then, you know, he, he I mean, he, he's he got access to every kind of arms you can get. Anything online, I mean, stuff from Russia. <laughs> he's walking around with Kalashnikovs, Jesus. Yeah, AK-47s and yeah. RPGs and such. Man, oh, yeah. man. Wow. Well, uh, so, okay, now what happens? Oh, he puts his gun away soon enough, and uh, and and he, t- uh, sure enough, puts that uh, dead Chinese boy on his horse and rides him over to the concho, and uh, we see his father, and his father is very distraught, and little Joe offers to bury him, and the father says, a man buries his son by himself, which is not something I've ever heard before, but I guess it's a tradition. And, uh, and then... Uh, Oh, yeah, we see a little bit of between Pete Jessup and uh, Little Joe, there's a little bit of friction there. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, earlier, uh, Amy Bishop says, hey, I don't like that Pete uh, Jessup uh, following me around all the time. And the father says, well, I told him to keep an eye on you. And then they cut to uh, Pete Jessup is just staring at her from outside through the window. (laughs) That's... That's just, uh, that's not, I don't think that's what the father had in mind when he said, please keep an eye on my daughter. I don't think he Downright creepy. Yeah. yeah that, go creeping in the bushes. one step too far for me, and I am not a progressive fella. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Keep an eye on her, but not when she's alone in her bedroom, please, through the window in the bushes. Oh, could have been, long. I guess he could have been more specific. 
And she was down to her second dress, and that's just downright she, untoward. She that's sure not was. right when you're courting. I no. agree. I agree. Well, so uh, Joe eventually comes home back to the Ponderosa, and Pa and Joe have a talk. Now, there's an interesting element here where Hoss uh, says to little Joe, he says, hey, it helps to talk things over. Uh, you could talk to Pa. It's always helped me in my hard times. And that is not what we've seen so far on this show. Uh, there have been times where uh, the whole idea of not talking about it is the remedy. <laughs> There was the time where I believe Haas himself was suffering, and I, yep. was it Adam was going to go talk to him, and Ben says, no, we'll have no talking in this family, basically. Yeah. So uh, this must have just been a different pilot of a show altogether. Yeah. Ben says, when a man has suffered a tragedy, he must suffer it alone, basically. <laughs> Stay away from him. <laughs> yep. So anyway, they, they, I guess, I don't know. This is different. This is a slightly different attitude. But now we have where, oh gosh, I guess Paul, uh, Joe confesses to Paul that he's in love with a bishop and Paul's like, okay, fine, uh, we'll work it out. And then there's a, sort of a parlay between the Cartwrights and the bishops, at which point uh, Luther Bishop says to little Joe, well, go fetch Amy. And he's going to do that very thing. But what he doesn't know is that Pete Jessup has decided that it's time for him to take by force the affections of Amy Bishop. Have I put that in a in an acceptable way? <laughs> I, I don't think so. It's terrible. Pete Jessup just attacks Amy Bishop. He says, and it's a, and they're in the barn. And little Joe comes in, and this is the second thing I want to show you. I mean, I I don't think. Folks have ever seen anything like this brawl I'm about to show you. This is like uh, it's a brawl in in a barn, and there's just an endless number of weapons <laughs> that an unprincipled man like Jessup can call upon. Uh, can you see my screen? No, there it is. Oh, there it is. Okay, here we go. This is the big climactic brawl between James Coburn, Pete Jessup. He's a big windup. Oh, he throws a punch. Oh. Anybody could have seen. Oh coming. no! Little oh, Joe no. ducks it. Yeah. Oh, fight she's fight. down to her second dress. She's down to her second dress, lying in a pile of hay, enjoying the fight. These two are fighting. Now, here comes James oh, no. with a chain. And he gets flipped. And he's whipping old little Joe with that chain for all he's worth. Oh, man. Unprincipled. Oh. It's unprincipled is what it is. She's had now, a seizure. Yeah. Little Joe's getting choked to death with the chain. But he punches old Jessup there. Now oh, Jessup, no. I don't know. Oh, what I have no idea what that is. Submarine periscope? A, a bridle. Oh. They're both using sticks. Oh, what's next? No. <laughs> Some random a... piece of wood. More brawling. Now he picks up the first of two pitchforks oh. that will be employed in this fight. <laughs> this is pitchfork number one. <laughs> That's the problem with pitchforks. They'll stick in the wall. Oh, now you can't use it anymore. Men's bodies diving. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, the old kick. And here's pitchfork number two. Very different style of pitchfork. Oh, and he throws got, it. Oh, oh, he missed by a lot. He, yeah. He really did. By a body length. <laughs> Fight, fight, fight. Oh, what's this? A whip? Now we got a whip. Oh, no, it's a whip. I've lost track of how many different weapons have been employed in this fight. Uh. Hey, 
Little Joe did the old log roll, knock you over. And this is it. Now, Little Joe's Was this later marketed as a workout system for your home? <laughs> Pete Jessup has taken He should have started gun. with the gun. Yeah. Well, Little Joe was decent enough to take his gun off for this bare-fisted brawl like they always do on this show for some oh. reason. And Pete. And oh, oh, oh. He stabbed oh, him right in between oh. that space between your chest and your arm. Oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> the deadliest spot. The deadliest it's spot. Everyone's weakness. Oh, in your heart, crotch. Now, look what. <laughs> that's it. That's where pitchfork number oh, two Oh, no, is. she's dead. <laughs> but why is she dead? She, hey, she has hay problems. She has hay fever. Lethal nope. hay, hay fever. fever. She is dead. We look she, over and she's dead and we don't know why. Well, it's allergic. No, it's because yes. Pete Jessup, when he threw pitchfork number two and oh. uh, a oh. little Joe dodged it, it went straight into uh, Amy Bishop and killed her. She was lying in a bale of straw though where you would normally put a pitchfork so you can't blame pete jessup for saying this pitchfork belongs in the hay yeah i tell you what even though she died if she had signed up for my eternal life insurance policy she would be able to pay past her passing that really yeah that even if you even if you die by your own hands, suicide, uh-huh, uh-huh. you will continue to have those payments come out monthly, you know, so you know that you're taken care of. Wow. It, who does the money go gone. to? Who's the money go to? The insurance company. Oh. <laughs> okay. I think I get it. So this is money you're going. You personally are going to collect after you die if you can't. Yeah figure out how okay i well you get yeah you get it in the uh, you if you get in the afterlife in the afterlife okay depending on what level you end up at how much does it cost to buy one of these policies oh it's a real easy in it's 99 dollars. oh all right easy in. anybody can do it yeah anybody can afford 99 dollars 99 dollars what that that's three stuffed animals for your kids 99 dollars that's it. That's maybe a stool, a nice stool, if you're going to buy one. Yeah. $99. That's like six packs of cigarettes. <laughs> uh-huh. There's a lot of things that could be added up to cost $99, I guess. But uh, all right, everybody, send Amy Sleverson $99, and you can withdraw uh, money in the afterlife. All right. Well, that's it. Another woman down on bonanza what does that make now we're 11 episodes in and we're probably at about what 24 dead women well you start right out of the gate with three dead women because uh ben cartwright has buried three wives that we know of they should take their bodies and make a bone church (laughs) my husband and i went to Prague for our honeymoon and there was a church made of bones they could make a, a the, the brothers could make a bone church of their wives. They should. And then we had, uh, in episode three, Hoss fell in love with a woman who had tuberculosis and died. Uh, but that was the true love of his life. And then in episode six, Joe, little Joe, fell in love with Julia Boulette. And uh, she died. Uh, 
So he's been here before. And then I was trying to remember when uh, Ben Cartwright proposed marriage to that uh, actress who in the end ended up with that drunk guy. Did we hear that the two of them had had gone off and died together? (laughs) I think I, I think it's safe to assume. I think the way that episode ended was, uh, hey, they left town, turns out, and uh, they died on the way. Was there anyone who spoke up and said, we should have one woman live? No, I think they pretty much needed to get the women out of the way. (laughs) They did, Season after season after season. Season after season after season. I think in the 400, what did you say, 400 and how many episodes? 31. 431. And I think there were seven or 800 women who died on that show. (laughs) Man, oh man. Something like that. First time, shame on me. Second time, shame on you. Shame on me again. (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, and every time, too, it seems like, well, I guess this lady is going to be a permanent member of the show now. She's going to they've found a little parcel of land down by the creek. that They're going to build a house on. And she's on her second dress. Yep. She's going to be around for a while. And then, Nope. nope, it doesn't happen. No, Man. no, no. It, it was just, it was really important to get them out of the way, basically. <laughs> I guess, well, it's, it's easier than figuring out how to write for them, I guess. <laughs> Can't be yeah. done. Poor Collins up to it. He's got enough on his plate. We have emotional depth that's harder to stage than a fight. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. But that last fight scene with the three in that barn, that was a lot of sexual tension, I felt. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was that fight. I mean, right. It got my wife and I both uh, ready for the evening. I'll put it that way. <laughs> oh yeah. yes, Le- yeah. Leave it at that. But yeah, sliding you, across the hay. I know. I, these- I watched that and I looked, took one look at my wife and says, "Go put on two more dresses." <laughs> <laughs> oh hell yeah! Yeah, you got two guys fighting over, fighting to the <laughs> death over a woman they both want to be with. And then it seems like in the middle of this brawl at some point, they realize, no, we're, we should be together. Yeah. And there were, there were whips and chains. Yeah, yeah objects. Yeah, some unidentified objects. There yes. were. A steam pipe, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I've seen uh, parodies of that fight scene where it's like one thing after another just keeps coming off the walls. Yeah. Also now, you know where Jason Bourne got it from where he'd just pick up a magazine or a pen. Oh yeah. With it. I can kill a man with this. I think the identified thing was a yoke to keep two um, oxen together when you're, you're oh, yeah. a field. Oh. Cause my husband and I, we actually were put t- together on one of those for a whole weekend. What? And By who? Christian, a Christian marriage counseling. <laughs> they yoked you two together like a couple of ox? Yeah, we plowed a field. Did you really? All weekend. <laughs> God damn. And, you, and you're still together, so I guess it worked. Well, you can't get a divorce. That, that's not even a thing or possible. Yeah, that's right. I'd be too scared to ask him. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine what would happen. Just terrible. Oh, he'd be so mad. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, divorce is fake news anyways, I believe, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. It's a hoax. That's yeah. what yeah, right. I heard, too. It's yeah. like along with those, you know, like the trails in the sky that are yeah. made of cream of wheat because they have an overage of breakfast <laughs> cereal and they spray it. Oh. 
Is that what, because I know that there's something going on with them chemtrails. They ain't what they appear to be, but I hadn't heard that it was cream of wheat. Yeah. But it makes sense that they, because people don't eat that so much these days, and they've just made Nobody too much of it. Nobody likes it. Right. I got right. remarried so many times on account of thinking divorces were real, and when I found out they was a hoax, I learned I was a bigamist. Oh, man. <gasps> yep. Yeah. Well, oh. so I got upwards of seven to ten wives. All at the one time. Yeah, as I was going to St. Ives, I met a man with seven wives, and I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, and that's where you are. You're on the way to St. Ives, I believe. I believe so. Yep. Aren't we all? Well, folks, that there brings to a close that episode of uh, Bonanza, episode 11, season one. There's only 420 episodes left for us to talk about on this show, unfortunately. Uh but yep, another woman has died, and uh, and the Cartwrights hang on to their land for one more week. Dirk, do you have any uh, final thoughts about this episode? Bring back any particular memories for you, or anything like that? Well, I believe if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I Mr. Coburn may have appeared more than once, but one of those episodes um, is when he turned the cast onto LSD. I believe. <laughs> Wait. I need clarity for real. And this is me, Mutt Taylor, asking not anyone else. Well, that's uh, at least that was what it appeared to be. <laughs> I can't wait for that. James Coburn turned the cast of Bonanza onto LSD. Right? I, I believe I'm pretty sure if if not that maybe a later episode. But uh, wow, yeah, you yeah. can you can actually see it if you look closely, like when the characters walk by. There, there's there's a trail behind them. Oh, yeah. And trail. when they shoot, there's all kinds of colors that come out of the guns. And, you know, it, it, it took on a whole new bit dent after, uh, after oh, Mr. Yeah. Coburn. And they're all pie-eyed pupils. Pie-eyed and bushy-tailed. Black as, yeah. <laughs> wow. Man, oh, man. I knew somebody was going to do it eventually. I didn't know it would be Coburn. Well, it was the 60s. You know. It was, wasn't it? Hey, uh, Amy, when you, you know, as you're doing like Christian uh, eroticism, you also do, uh, should do some Christian hardcore drugs. Well, I haven't really gotten into that area of business yet. I mean, I'm still struggling. I'm still in the this, you know, beginning stages. But I do have a line of milks, and they have dexedrine in them. Wow! Which helps. It's a housekeeping milk. It's to help to keep you. you keep you energized to clean and and it's in a milk form wow okay i've never heard of anybody who had a line of milks before <laughs> i love milk yeah, who, doesn't? Love- who doesn't yeah, that reminds me i gotta get over to the trucky strip so let's uh Let's wrap this up. Yeah, we better wrap it up. All right. Well, uh, thank you, as always, to Mutt Taylor and Amy Slaverson. And thank you oh so much to Dirk Blocker. It was a thrill and an honor and a delight to have you here. I can't even believe it. Yeah. Right back at you. We will never those... fly this close to the sun again. I don't believe we will. <laughs> the this son the... of Hoss. <laughs> this is the highest level of heaven as far as I'm concerned. Hell Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be back. We'll see you next time when we will be talking about Season 1, Episode 12. Uh, and uh, we, we'll try to get Amy to watch that one in particular. But who knows? All right, folks. We'll see you then. Goodbye. <laughs>
Bananas for Bonanzas, brought to you by Andy Daly, with Maria Bamford and Matt Gordon. Theme song by Matt Gordon, with The Journeyman, which in this case are Mark McConville, Daniel Nuchikoff, and Wade Ryan. Special thanks to our gang on the ground, Josh Richmond and Shannon Locke. Bananas for Bonanza is produced by Ryan Connor and Matt Gorley, and executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bennett. We'll see you next time. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.